0: Good morning. Welcome again to South Suburban Christian Church's online ministry. We are so grateful that you're here this morning. We are beginning a new series today, Derailed. And uh, it is a a series that uh, goes alongside of our Vacation Bible School uh, curriculum that our children will be uh, engaging in in just about four weeks um, what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks is uh, looking at each of the day's lessons that our young people will be studying and spending a Sunday on each of those lessons. So today is uh, uh, the uh, message is from Acts chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, you can go look for that right now. and uh, that Jesus helps us be bold. And uh, we're going to be looking at it from an adult perspective. I don't know if it's better to do that or to just let the kids perspective uh, help inform us as well. But either way, we'll trust the Holy Spirit. Um, a couple of reasons that we do this that I want to just share with the onset, we'll share with you at the onset. And the first is, is that I want us to be aware of what our kids are learning, how this congregation is discipling our young people. The second thing that um, I'm hoping is is that for those of you who have children or grandchildren or Kids that you might know you'll be able to relate and and talk with them about the stories uh, That they're going to be learning about Uh, In my own life some of the most significant moments that I ever had with uh, adult church members Were when they were engaging me in the same lessons that uh, That I had been studying in sunday school or that we had heard in church That the adults in my home congregation took an interest not only in me but in what I was learning. And I pray that all of us will do that as well, to stand in solidarity, to stand in support, to volunteer, and to be a part of this great ministry as uh, we do Vacation Bible School together. I'm going to talk a little bit more about how God is working uh, in the midst of South Suburban Christian Church as we look at our Vacation Bible School. But now, if you found Acts chapter 9, uh, let's begin as we read together from God's holy word. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, a man named Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is... Something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Here ends the reading of God's holy and perfect word. May he add his blessings and his understanding to it amen (coughs) this is one of my favorite stories in the new testament i'll have to tell you that right off the bat Uh, now if you were to do a google search or an online search of all of the sermons that are preached on acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 19 the vast majority of them would be about saul about his conversion about how god had worked mightily in saul's life and And how Saul ultimately uh, receives the name Paul and goes on to do the great and wonderful things that God has in store for him. And you know what? There's not a thing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, that's probably one of the more appropriate takes on this passage. It is, after all, the beginning of the ministry of Paul, who is perhaps one of the greatest evangelists in the church's history. It is one of the reasons, probably, that you and I are sitting here, is because of the Apostle Paul. By and large, I would suspect that most of us who are watching or who gather here on a Sunday morning are, well, Gentiles. That is, as that were non-Jewish by ethnicity, and Paul was the predominant missionary to the Gentiles. Now, there's probably a good Bible study in there somewhere, because Peter is initially launched as the missionary to the gentiles but paul is the one who assumes that mantle of leadership and goes on to be significantly effective in this series uh, as we are looking at it we want to draw our attention to those areas where oftentimes we can get derailed in life and one of those things that derail us is our own sense of fear and foreboding our own sense of uncertainty, and a lack of self-confidence. And so you can imagine that I'm probably not going to be looking at Paul this morning because there's another person in this passage that we're going to be focusing on today, a person not as widely known. Perhaps some of you might even have confused him with another Ananias that's talked about later in the book of Acts who tries to defraud the apostles and lie to the Holy Spirit. No, this is an Ananias... Whom we only hear from in this particular chapter and never again in the Scriptures. I want to share with you that as we go forward in this Vacation Bible School planning, work, and ministry, that of the kids that have already registered, over 70% of them are not members of this congregation. As a matter of fact, they have no connection with this congregation at all. They're not parents, I'm sorry, they're not children of parents, they're not grandchildren of grandparents that go here. They're they're not even as far as we can tell friends of kids who go here. But these are families who have chosen to register their children with our vacation Bible school who have absolutely no connection to our congregation. Now I don't know about you, but that's pretty important and pretty amazing to me. It's a sign, I think, that God is preparing us as we look at the strategic vision that we have sought to discern as we go forth as South Sub Church into the future. And so what are we going to say to these young people? And what is the message that we'd like to share with you today? Well, what the kids are going to be hearing on that first day is that Jesus helps us do hard things. So as we explore this text today, as we focus on Ananias... I also want us to consider what Christ is challenging us to do. What are some of the things that are immediately in our future as a congregation that Christ is calling us into action as we seek to be the church that he has called us to be? So the first thing that I want to share with you is point one. Ananias was waiting on God. He wasn't waiting on an opportunity. Now, that first point may be a little bit confusing, but if you stick with me, I think you'll see where we're going with this. I would suspect that all of us have an Ananias in our history. Well, we probably also have a Paul in our history as well. The Paul in my life is actually my mother. She is the one who taught me Scripture, She is the one who reminded me every day, in season and out of season, that God was a God of justice and holiness, and also that God was a God of grace and mercy. But there were also Ananiases in my life as well. Several who functioned like an Ananias. One of them is Miss Ida Mariner. I don't know if I've shared that name with you before, Most folks have no clue who Miss Ida is, well, until now, because I'm getting ready to tell you a little bit about Miss Ida. Miss Ida was one of my Sunday school teachers as I was growing up, specifically when I was in middle school up through high school. Well, to be frank, Miss Ida was um, somebody that really wasn't necessarily a great orator, Um, I frankly don't really remember any of the Sunday school lessons that she taught me. She wasn't a deep theological uh, uh, purveyor of great thoughts that I have uh, remembered and that we might make memes of and place on social media. As a matter of fact, um, the curriculum that she taught was probably, frankly, some of the worst curriculum that I have ever experienced growing up as a child. Now, this, of course, was the time when children's and youth Sunday school lessons were those little short pamphlet bulletin kinds. Some of you may remember it, especially if you're in my age group, if you're a Gen Xer. There was a scripture, an unmemorable story about some kid that did something or uh, was with something or struggled with something and Somehow that lesson was supposed to relate that story to my own life and my own worries as a kid. Well, Frankly, looking back on it, most of what was taught was not only unmemorable, but was, well, probably best forgotten. (laughs) This was during the time when people thought that real-life lessons were more important than Bible content. Uh, when it was more important for me as a kid to relate to Jesus as a feeling rather than putting into my mind some of the concrete teachings that were essential to the Christian faith. Now, my experience with that curriculum wasn't Miss Ida's fault. She didn't pick the curriculum. It probably was picked by a committee. You know the committees of our childhood, for those of us who can remember a group of tired parents after working all day and corralling their own children, assembling yet again at the church for a meeting. Well, you might be thinking right now, well, preacher, you've kind of set this up for, well, a huge letdown. So what you're telling me is you had a teacher who was teaching below average curriculum, wasn't a great orator, but somehow it was some powerful experience in your life. It was powerful. You know why it was powerful for this one reason miss ida was always there every single sunday some weeks well actually most weeks i was the only kid that showed up for class it was a small church now i don't mean to grind an axe with you today or anything but throughout my ministry, the 26 or so years that I have been practicing and serving as a pastor, I have had a ton of folks come into my study and declare that I had the opportunity to benefit from their expertise. I was often uh, amazed and, and eventually kind of grew used to it that, that, that what would follow would be an editorial of why a particular ministry wasn't working what needed to change, and how, if they were in charge, we'd have to do a building campaign to house all of the folks that would be coming to their ministry. And I'll never forget, on one particular occasion, a dad, God bless him, came into my study with a list of complaints about a middle school Sunday school class that was uh, uh, being done at a previous congregation I served. The truth is it had been struggling on most Sundays we might have one two at the most three kids that would show up and I remember he said to me something's wrong pastor the class is obviously boring because no one's coming to it the topics are not timely they don't relate to where the kids are and he said he knew how to turn that class around so I agreed I tried to make some suggestions about how we might want to think about how we define success. That We don't define success by the number of kids that might show up at the class, but what kind of transformation happens in the lives of the kids who do show up for that class. Well, several weeks went by, and then he came in to see me again. He would sit down. I remember him sitting down and, and a sense of exhaustion on his face and frustration tension in his body and he said you know what pastor there are some weeks that no kid comes at all do you know how demoralizing it is to spend all of that time during the week preparing that lesson and then coming to church and no one shows up and on those weeks that someone does show up it's only one kid what am i supposed to do with just one kid So I told him the story about Miss Ida. I remember saying, you know what will have the most impact on the kids that do come, even if it's just once a month? Do you know what kind of impact you can have just on that one kid who comes up? He looked at me, waiting for some statement of great grandeur, and he said, what and i responded the fact that you're there you see it's not about the opportunity of growing a successful middle school ministry or finally showing the church that you know how to do a kid's ministry better than any of your predecessors what will matter most my dear brother is that you're there who knows that one kid who shows up on most sundays that you're teaching might grow up to be a pastor someday. That kid might baptize hundreds of new believers, marry over a hundred couples where he will spend four to six weeks prior to the marriage talking to them about the importance of grounding their relationship in Christ. That one kid might bury hundreds of people where he will get to speak about the power of the resurrection to over thousands of people. You might not produce the next Billy Graham. You might not be the next Billy Graham. But you might produce the next Mordecai Ham. You might be the next Mordecai Ham. He looked at me, brows furrowed, and said, Who's Mordecai Ham? Mordecai Ham is the preacher that led Billy Graham to Christ. He left my office that day and a week later sent me an email. And his email said that he just wouldn't be able to teach middle school, Sunday school class anymore. You know, there are lots of people who think that they're waiting to respond to God. Who sit in prayer and are saying, Lord, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. But if we're honest with ourselves, what a lot of them are waiting for is an opportunity An opportunity for themselves. An opportunity to do something great. An opportunity to stroke their own pride while at the same time thinking they're serving the kingdom. When they're not serving the kingdom at all. They're serving themselves. Well, that wasn't the case with Ananias. Which brings me to my second point. You know, reluctance is an all-too-human characteristic, so don't beat yourself up for it. I really kind of love how Ananias responds. Christ Jesus comes to him and says, Ananias, and Ananias says, Here I am. And then let's look what the text says. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. <laughs> I, I would have loved to have been able to be there and, and see how Ananias responded to that statement. He probably started fidgeting and at this point kind of moving around and looking around and, and uh, this is sort of like God asking the fattest hen in the hen house to go to the fox and tell the fox, how he could have a new life as a vegetarian. I mean, this is an incomprehensible request. This is an action that is obviously not going to have a good end to it, at least from Ananias' perspective. So after Christ tells Ananias what He wants him to do, Ananias answers him, and that's a beautiful answer. Lord, just in case... You haven't heard. I mean, I know you're sovereign and omnipotent and, 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 and all-powerful and all that sort of thing. I know that you've raised from the dead and now sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. But I, I'm not sure you've heard what they've been saying about this man, Saul. How much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And how here, right here in our little town of Damascus, He has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Guys like me, Ananias, might be thinking and that when we're bound and taken back before the chief priests, it's quite possible that we might receive the death sentence. God, what you're asking me to do is probably going to end my life. Are you sure (laughs) this is what you want me to do? You know, when God asks us to do things, there's always a flood of thoughts and emotions that happen. Some of those are whispers by the powers of darkness, things like, you're not good enough. You're a hypocrite. How can you teach that? How can you teach others that which you often yourself wrestle with and doubt. Other times, that um, hesitancy, that reluctance, that, that fear, is because of our own self-confidence. Do I have the ability to do that? Other times, it's because of our corrupt nature, the, the flesh that so often leads us towards self-preservation rather than sacrifice hey i've done my time it's time for other folks to step up you know what it's really inconvenient for me to help at that particular time on that particular day i i know what i need to live my faith as a christian and if i do that i won't get what i need This whole churchy thing, well, it's good and all, but can't you make it more convenient at a time that I want on a day that is better for my schedule? Well, that job that you're asking me to do, Pastor, that job's not really important. I think God has made me, well, He's prepared me for a position of management, not ministry. How about I serve on the board where I get to tell folks what to do and not the diaconate where I get to serve people? Which, incidentally, is a confusion both of the diaconate and the board. I'll tell you, an old preacher once told me that there is more honor serving as a deacon than there ever will be serving as a pastor. Other times when we are finding ourselves discerning something to be done that God is calling us to do, it's just downright normal to just be reluctant. Why? Because what we're being asked to do is going to hurt. There's going to be suffering involved. And it might even require sacrifice. Financial. position. Prominence? Our lives. C.S. Lewis once wrote We make men without chests and expect from them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. There was a day that every little boy and every little girl memorized a poem, Horatius at the Bridge the story of uh, pre-empire uh, uh, Rome where a few soldiers sacrificed their lives to save the city from an invading Etruscan army from the north one of the lines in that poem that has been immortalized by Winston Churchill himself then out spake brave Horatius the captain of the gate Every man upon this earth, death cometh soon or late. And how can man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his Father and the temples of his gods? If we're honest with ourselves... Sacrifice really isn't something our culture values anymore. Oh, we like to give some lip service to it. We like to honor those who do it. But it's not something that really is a part of the very fabric of who we are today. There's a scene in Star Wars' Return of the Jedi where the wise sage Obi-Wan Kenobi sacrifices his life for his friends. And even though it's a moving scene, there was a part of me that reacted negatively against it because he didn't really die, if you remember. He just mysteriously disappears and becomes one with a force. Okay, well, maybe I can grant the director and the writer and all the folks that were involved in that some poetic license, I suppose. But it really robs us Of the actual price of freedom. Especially poignant as this is also Memorial Day weekend. There are some things that are worth suffering for, isn't there? There are some ideals, some truths that are greater than the pride or even the piety of one man or one woman. And we are Christians. We follow Christ and His model. Matthew paints this poetic and amazingly powerful scene as he describes the turmoil in Matthew chapter 26 when God the Son gives Himself for me and for you. When the humanity of Christ wars with the divinity of Christ. Let me read this text to you. From Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul was very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. My brother my sister if jesus struggled you and i will struggle and the truth is most of the time we will fall short because it isn't about our strength or our purpose it's about christ and that brings me to my last and final point you know it's not about us it's about jesus Now, I've spent the last 20 minutes or so extolling the virtue of Ananias. And I'm pretty confident that when I get to heaven, I'm reasonably sure that Ananias is going to come up to me and say something like, Hey, Ike, you remember preaching that sermon about me? Well, you messed that one up because that wasn't about me. It was about Jesus. So in preparation for that conversation, that I'm pretty sure I'm going to be having with Ananias let's focus on Christ's response to Ananias' fear. Let's read together right back there again in Acts chapter 9. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And what happened next? (laughs) The text says, So Ananias departed and entered the house. And the rest, as we say, is history. I can't emphasize more what I think lays ahead of the church of Jesus Christ. The culture we are engaging with, I believe, is significantly different than the culture that we left 13 months ago. And the challenges and the work that lay ahead of the Church of Jesus Christ, of South Subchurch, are significant. We need you. Christ is calling you, not to an opportunity, but to a ministry. Next week, we go to two services, one at 9 and one at 11. We don't have enough volunteers for those two services to be done. We will probably have upwards of over 100 kids at Vacation Bible School, over over 70% of them not a part of the church, And we still don't have enough people to make Vacation Bible School a full and positive reality. We have an online ministry that's about to launch. We have folks that we need to be a part of our hospitality team. We've got South Sub Kids Ministries on Sundays. We have tons and tons of stuff to do to be ready to do the work Christ has called us to do. So here's the thing. I believe it will all get done because Christ is calling us to do it. I guess the question is, is who will be there? Who will answer the call? Who will allow Christ to overcome the fear and the reluctance Because Jesus helps us be bold. I guess that's a lesson not just for kids. It's a lesson for all of us. Christ is calling this church to be bold. He's calling you to be bold. And you will do it. But not because of our own strength. But because of Christ. I'm looking forward, shoulder to shoulder, serving with you for the glory of his name. Amen.